Hello, and welcome to Rewire. Whether you are a baby boomer or baby zoomer, a millennial or an elder ally, enjoying retirement or planning ahead, this show provides you with information and inspiration to help you live your best life. And now, here's our host, Duchess Dale. Welcome to episode number 14, some, some, summertime. <laughs> Hope you had a wonderful three-day weekend. On Sunday the 18th, many households celebrated Father's Day. In our household, we celebrated Sir Paul McCartney's birthday. <laughs> and on Monday, it was Juneteenth, a federal holiday established two years ago in the United States, commemorating the emancipation of enslaved African-Americans. The official name of this holiday is Juneteenth, National Independence Day. Sometimes you might hear it referred to as Freedom Day. This date was chosen because it acknowledges the anniversary of an order issued on June 19, 1865, proclaiming that all those still enslaved must now be freed. Yet even after that order, and two years after the emancipation was declared for the nation, according to historian Elizabeth Hayes Turner, the mayor in Galveston, Texas, forced those newly liberated slaves back to work for no compensation. So this is an important time to honor the holiday and the freedom it represents for civil rights in this country and for all humanity. And speaking about humanity in a different way, I learned so much from last week's episode about the languaging within the non-binary and LGBTQT plus community. Thanks again to our guests, Dr. Joey Long and Jess Jones. I want them to know I have already put into practice my pronoun lessons, and I have even changed my Zoom declaration. Now, all of us are pretty familiar with Zoom by now, and yet Zoom has a new option for you. You can declare your personal pronoun. I have chosen she and her because I identify as female, but I am also adding in the word one, capital O-N-E, because I identify with the one of the universe, the cosmic one. Insert your own new age music there, please. (laughs) The summer solstice today, June 21st, marks the first day of summer, and it is the longest day and the shortest night, which means you have time to run out and restock your supply of SPF, particularly if you live in New Mexico with those higher altitudes. One of the advantages of being an older adult is that we no longer have to sit in classrooms during summer. Yes, it's true, they have better air conditioning now than when we were kids, but we don't have to go to summer school. But as an older adult, we don't have to stop learning. So to refresh our vocabulary or perhaps expand it, today's daily word, and that's spelled D-A-L-E hyphen Y, today's daily word is ombudsman. Ombudsman is a Swedish word that literally means representative. An ombudsman assists individuals and groups in the resolution of conflicts or concerns. And so today, we have a very special ombudsman from the state of New Mexico. This has an opportunity to expand our awareness and horizon about today's daily word, which is ombudsman, 
And my guest is Carmen Bliss, who is the Ombudsman Spokesperson for Aging and Long-Term Services Department. And today, we're going to talk about Elder Abuse Awareness Month. So, Carmen, welcome. And would you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I am the state long-term care ombudsman, um, and that means that I'm over the office of the ombudsman program. We're housed with an aging and long-term services department, which is the best place for us to be, uh, <laughs> I believe anyway. Um, and we, as a as an office, are required at the federal level, every state is required to have an office at the ombudsman. Um, and we make sure that people that are living in long-term care settings, and that's assisted living facilities, nursing facilities, um, are aware that they have extra rights when they enter into long-term care settings, in addition to their rights that you and I, you know, are familiar with and, and want to be respected in the community. Um, and so, you know, we're directed by the resident, so it might not be what's in their best interest, but you and I can make decisions that are not in our best interest. <laughs> and that doesn't stop just because you live somewhere where you are receiving care. So we are advocating whatever the resident wants us to advocate for, how whatever need is not being met with their own their own assertiveness or their own empowerment. Um, we're advocating alongside them for what their what their outcome, what their desired outcome is. That's fabulous to know because one wonders or is concerned about that. If someone, an elder person, goes into some sort of care facility, what happens from that point on, particularly if maybe they don't have a family advocate? So can you tell us how does someone um, engage your services? Yeah, so it, it hit the nail on the head with that too. Um, about fifty, we think about fifty percent of people don't have regular visitors, and that is can be people with family members that cannot be, visit on a regular basis, right? So there's I'm able to advocate for myself as a resident, and when that doesn't work, maybe I will call my friends or family who will speak to somebody and kind of carry a message forward. Um, when things get to be to the level that you're reporting something like a violation of the rules and regulations of the services that are supposed to be provided and the setting that you're living in, you know, Department of Health can step in. There's adult protective services. If, um, yeah, if adult abuse, I'm sorry, if abuse, neglect, or exploitation is occurring. And then, you know, above all of that, there's law enforcement if, if and when that needs to be, um, that system needs to be accessed. And that really leaves this big gap in between friends and family and the rules and regulations where the ombudsman program can step in. Um, so we visit, uh, we're complaints driven. So you can call us at the 1-866-451-2901 and we will respond to your complaint. Otherwise, we make routine visits to nursing facilities and assisted living facilities as well to make sure people are aware of our program, um, know that they can call us for anything or any concerns and that we're on their side. So if we're, out there and part of our engagement is being present. Um, we're also a volunteer-driven um, program, right? It's designed to be that way so that people are visiting facilities that are in their community because the people that are in those facilities are from their community. They're their pastors, their teachers, their neighbors, their friends, their family, their loved ones. Mm -hmm. um, and so they know that community best. They know the people living in that facility the best. Um, and who better to advocate for you than somebody that 
you are familiar with. Um, and so the more people see the ombudsman, the more we have a volunteer in a facility, the more they become the fabric of that facility. And asking for what you want, expecting to have your needs met, expecting to be treated as an individual um, with unique needs and background and circumstances and goals and desires, um, the more that becomes an expectation of the residents themselves, um, the more often they can have somebody that they know can advocate for them. So we need more ombudsman. We need more volunteers. That's the way that we function. Yeah. I, that's fabulous because it is a concern. And and I have several questions, one of which is if you have an ombudsman at a certain center, let's say the ACME Living Center, I don't know. I don't want to say any names. Uh, would that ombudsman, list, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you have a list of real ones, but that was a that was a Warner Brothers cartoon ACME. <laughs> okay. uh, if, if you have an ombudsman at that center, that living mm-hmm. facility, can that ombudsman serve more than one resident? Absolutely. So okay. the ombudsman is the advocate for any resident, every on any, it's every resident in the facility. So we advocate um, for every resident that asks us to advocate for them. We don't generally advocate without permission, unless there's some sort of systemic issue. If we're seeing that there's a trend or a bigger issue that's facility-wide or even like a regional issue or a statewide issue, then the office is also tasked with advocating at every level that every level that impacts people living in long-term care. And that's the federal level, the state level, and then the local level, um, and then the facility itself. And, you know, we're advocating for every resident. That's not to say that some residents, you got Wiley Coyote and this, you know, the Acme Long-Term Care Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner are at it, then we will advocate between residents if necessary to kind of mediate um, what the solution is that it would be agreeable to both of them if that's possible. So that's wonderful. And is there a fee for this? For no, 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 absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, that's an important factor. I'm yeah. sure that, in, you know, older free, adults. Yeah. Free, confidential, and statewide. Right. Oh, so I love that. Okay. Are, those are. Key words, <laughs> confident. Well, it is, yeah, and statewide because, and that's something I'll, I'll mention again later. Because again, those are concerns for older adults, you know, and so it's statewide. So anywhere within the state of New Mexico could call one eight six six four five one two nine zero one and say to you, "Well, the Acme Living Center, I'm there. Please come out and and uh, advocate for me." Yes, absolutely. That's fabulous. Now, would that be the number that people would call if they were interested in volunteering? Yes, we want to make it easy to get a hold of us. <laughs> so it's the same, the same number. You call us with any questions you have about our program or what we do or what you might want to do with us. Um, it's the same number. Yep. Great. And what kind of training might a volunteer expect? Yeah, so we are required to provide 36 hours of training. So we do two days of classroom training. You'll shadow a regional coordinator um, who will assign you a facility that's in is close to you. There's one in your neighborhood that could be assigned to you right now, right? Um, and so the regional coordinator will provide that training, will shadow you, you'll shadow them. 
And then as your skill set grows, the more responsibility you take on. So at first, you're making what we call routine visits, and you're kind of relying on your sight, your sound, uh, your sense of smell to say, this doesn't seem like a home-like environment, and here are my concerns, and working your way up all the way to, as you, you know, like I said, build competency and confidence, um, investigating complaints um, you know, independently as an ombudsman. That again is fabulous. I had no yeah. idea this existed for for older adults in our state, and I'm sure there are similar programs nationwide. Since there may be people listening to this that don't live in New Mexico, I want to encourage them to do some research on their state level to see what equivalent there is. Every state has an ombudsman program, and every state is required for it to be a volunteer driven organization. So. Yes, please. If you are listening anywhere, call your ombudsman program and tell them that you would like to take on this responsibility. So, yeah. Sounds like a wonderful way for people to volunteer um, that's not too intrusive or time consuming and so valuable and important. And does the ombudsman do any of the more of the social visitations or is it just kind of the overview, making sure that the facilities are in check and the residents are safe and healthy? So certainly there's a component to, we were talking about a second ago where we want the ombudsman volunteer in particular to become part of the fabric of a facility, their assigned facility, they're visiting about three hours a week. There is some social component to that. You will get to know the resident, you'll get to know um, you know, they'll be talking to you about what their goals are and what they, how they define quality of life. And they do that through kind of disclosing the person that they are. So yes, that is, there's a social component to that. Um, but truly our primary goal is to make sure that we are positioning ourselves as advocates. Right. Um, I'm I'm just so excited about this opportunity because I, I, I just worry about Older folks, as I said earlier, especially the ones who might be on their own and yep. not have direct family, friends, or former neighbors that would kind of be the advocate. How do how does one become an advocate? Well, we have that answer today. Yeah. I think that your work is amazing. How long have you worked in this position? Um, I've been here for just over a year now. It's really, um, I feel really honored to have been. Um, given this responsibility, I'm really excited to grow the program. We've had a you know, pretty big setback as, again, every long-term care ombudsman program across the country has experienced during COVID. Mm-hmm. That was really um, difficult for the residents living in facilities. And we also experienced some challenges, um, you know, kind of trying to account for that public health emergency as well. So there's an opportunity here to rebuild and be strategic about um, our growth and and what our next steps are to make sure that we're using the best um, the best use of our resources um, and and also trying like I said to, like I said to grow back that volunteer program so that the very basic principles of what we do are accomplished day in and day out and that we can move further into the advocacy space like when you're saying I didn't know you existed. That needs to be a different thing. Like, oh yeah, the ombudsman program. You really helped my mom, me, my neighbor. You know, um, everybody needs to know that we exist, and that 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 you know requires some some strategic growth. So. Well, I hope to help with that. I mean, the podcast is a start, and I'd love to have you back later in the year just yeah. to remind 
new listeners, the okay. to, you know, educate them. And we have the phone number. How else would this information be disseminated? Yeah. So we, I will also come, I will talk to any group, anybody, if it's not me, I will send a regional coordinator out. Um, and we do presentations on what those resident rights are. Again, those additional rights that people get when they move into long-term care facilities. Um, we do trainings on that. We do trainings on what we call community <laughs> advocates, excuse me, so people are going into long-term care facilities either by way of their own job function, like maybe they're a first responder responding to medical calls. Maybe they are visiting friends or family. Um, and we want to make sure that they're aware of what resident rights are as well. And that they know, again, that we exist and that they can call us in addition to other places that they might feel um, that they're responsible to call, that they would also call the ombudsman program because of that unique role that we play on behalf of the resident. And are those additional rights posted on the website or how would, let's say, a family member or an advocate who knows that some, that, that the roadrunner has been, uh, <laughs> we have to have a roadrunner. It's no Mexico, yes. New Mexico. Yes. Uh, the roadrunner is now in the Acme Living Center. Uh, how would they know what those additional rights are? Where would they find that? Yeah, so we have our, it's required that the facility post our resident rights poster and um carry our information and, and put that in a pro prominent location. So we've got brochures and pamphlets about the program. We've got brochures and pamphlets about resident rights and they're posted in every facility. Great. Are they also posted in facilities like some of the uh, multi-generational all-purpose centers around New Mexico? Like or the, the continuing care community or, um, or um, the, I'm trying to think of the name of the one. Forgive me. Ah, I'm fumfering here. I've only been in Albuquerque a year, but there's one that you go to, and I know there's the the Geneva Center in in Santa Fe. I mean, centers in general that aren't mm -hmm. long term care. Now, they might not be there, but that's a really good idea, right? Because it's before you get to the facility. I it does not hurt for the the public to know um, that these things exist. Because right. the other thing is too that there's a time and a place where people need either. For a short period of time or a longer period of time, need to receive services in the place that they live, right? right? And so if that's the circumstance that people find themselves in, we want them to know that that doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't have to be the scary experience and that they can demand and expect more from the care that they receive while they're, while they're there, right? And that takes knowing that that exists before you get there, right? So exactly. having these conversations about what to expect, what to demand, what to ask for, and how to get that need met when it's not being met um, when you before you're making those decisions, right? Yes. I think that would be important, particularly because yeah. we know that there are violations wherever sometimes, yeah. and the, the, the media hasn't helped. Movies and TV don't help. So for me, in my head, if, if someone who might be considering that but uh, but maybe they're afraid to or re are reluctant because of all of that. If they were to see information or their additional rights, right. then it may not be such a scary idea and they right. can pursue that or give it to a loved one included in their, you know, estate information. Right. So yes, I'm I think too, I'm just thinking about, you know, some of the decisions that you're making and the conversations that we would like people to have when they're if they are deciding between long-term care or receiving care in a facility um, mm -hmm. and having to do that and then deciding between facilities, the we have found that the facilities that are more 
um, or stronger proponents of resident rights specifically, um, that those are the ones that are actively engaged in providing care that meets the needs of the individual. They see we're providing care in somebody's home versus their living or where I work. Um, so the facilities that really embrace resident rights, embrace the people um, that they're serving as individuals, we have found that the care is also better, right? So Wonderful. That's great. great information. So whatever we can do to get that more widespread, I think is mm-hmm. yeah. is great. And I, I, I hear that from you too. I wasn't trying to suggest something to you that it was brand new. I, I just would love what to get this. Oh, gee, have you ever <laughs> thought of <laughs> I'm all ears. I'm all ears. I have no, I have no ego in this. <laughs> just, whatever, whatever, wherever you want me to show up, wherever you want me to put the information, we will do it. And we'll just put point here and you, and there's, there goes Carmen, ready to tell <laughs> everybody about resident rights. And I think exactly. it's hugely important. And uh, we will start to have more information. Uh, the podcast is going to have a Facebook page and I can add information like this because again, I think well, a lot of older adults use Facebook more than some of the other social media, and you don't necessarily think of going to the official website because it's so much information. Yeah. So if we can begin to post more user-friendly ideas and suggestions and tools, I think it'd be great because this is an amazing work that you get to um, sponsor. For all of us. It is. And I really, I just want to like clarify it. It is amazing work. It is so rewarding. And the beauty of it is that anybody can do this. And people, our volunteers come from a wide variety of backgrounds. Mm-hmm. We train them all and they bring their own personal experience and view um, to the work that they do. Right. So it is not just me that gets to do this. It is anybody that's listening to this, that this speaks to, then you, I'm telling you, you would be a great ombudsman and you can do this. You just call us. Yeah. Is there an age requirement for that? 18. 18, 18. Up. I just thought it. Just... Yeah. Now we are working on trying to problem solve how to get, you know, multiple generations into long-term care settings mm-hmm. um, and like kind of working through what it would be like to have, I'm going to call it the on-buddy program, right? To where you have you know, younger people in facilities, they're bringing their parents around, parents along and or their teachers um, to kind of, you know, supervise and be in there as well. And then I think that, you know, when you get younger kids exposed to the older, older population and, and not scared of what a facility looks like, then you right. know, fingers, it's like, ah, I want to become a caregiver. I want a nurse, a doctor, um, you know, work in facilities, become an advocate. Um, this is the population that I, that I love, right? So it's making sure that people have the opportunity uh, to interact with people in facilities. Great. And um, do you also have as particularly for maybe our state, bilingual ombudsman? We do. I would love to have more bilingual ombudsmen. Right. Um, it's not required, but gosh, if, if only we all spoke more than one language. Oh, I know. And and how about sign language? Um, so we have to the sign language interpreter. I don't have anybody anybody that's um, that signs on the team right now, but okay. Yeah, gosh, if there's, a, if there's an interpreter out there that wants to join, join the ranks, Come on. Yes. Right. Great. That's something I I will support because that's that is my favorite second language. And I think it's everywhere for everyone, no matter what, you know, origin. So, yeah, excellent. So before we wrap up, is there anything else that you'd like to hear? Here's your, you know, 15 seconds of fame. What else would you like to say about your wonderful program, Carmen? 
Well, I just want to make sure and kind of reiterate too. So I'm here, I'm trying to, you know, make people aware that there are additional rights and long-term care settings and trying to make people aware that there's an opportunity for them to get involved with their community and serving community members in a really meaningful way. Um, but also want to make sure, please call us with any concerns that you have in a long-term care facility. That is the first and foremost, you know, um, role that we serve or the role that we play is to be on the other end of that phone call and take action um, when you need us. So don't hesitate to call with any concern. Um, it doesn't have to be a rule. You don't have to know the rules or the the violations, you just need to know that something doesn't feel right or things aren't going the way that you want them to in your home because mm. that facility is your home. So call us. Yeah. Excellent. Well, yeah. Carmen Bliss, I am smiling in appreciation for being able to share this valuable information with our listeners. And I want to thank you for the work you're doing. And I'm I'm going to just send out the right vibes that there are going to be more ombudsman volunteers drawn to you so we can grow this program. So thank you again. And don't hesitate to contact me if there's a special event or anything that you want me to promote on the podcast for this vital work. Okay. Great. Thanks, Duchess. If you're interested in finding out more about the long-term care ombudsman program, or you're ready to volunteer, please call 1-866-451-2901 because this program really helps residents to ensure they receive quality care and their opportunity to live their best life in their older years. And summertime might be a perfect time for you to use three hours of your week helping people understand those rights and protecting them. So you can sign up to be a volunteer here in New Mexico. And as Carmen said, the Volunteer Ombudsman Program exists across the country, no matter what state you're in. However, if you are in our wonderful state of New Mexico, there is a special pickleball tournament happening here in Albuquerque, June 24th and 25th, which would be a great way to socialize and meet other volunteers. So call for more information. I saw a quote on social media the other day. I don't know who it's attributed to. It said, quote, the bad news is there's no key to happiness. The good news is the door isn't locked, end quote. So that door is open to volunteer or to learn to grow. And the other good news is we now have a Facebook page to match the podcast. So if you're on Facebook or you know an older adult who might be and could be interested in what we offer on the show, please go to Rewire with Duchess Dale, R-E hyphen W-I-R-E with Duchess Dale. That's me. (laughs) And that is where you can find out information about an episode you've listened to or more information about one of our guests or contact phone numbers, or it's a place to leave a comment or a question or even a topic suggestion. So please, let's start being more interactive with Rewire with Duchess Dale, both online on Facebook and on your favorite streaming platform. (laughs) So until we stream and connect again next week, remember to stay reconnected, refreshed, and rewired. This podcast is sponsored by the Aging and Long-Term Services Department of New Mexico. 
On your favorite streaming platform, subscribe or follow to receive a reminder of new episodes. You can also share this free podcast with family and friends. Our music was written and sung by New Mexico's Lydia Clark. Till next time, remember to reconnect, recommit, and rewire.